0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io.
1: What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgan, founder of Magnology. Here is today's host of Startup Hustle, covering all things e-commerce, Amazon, entrepreneurship. Uh, We love storytelling here. We're going to get into some of that. And today we're going to be talking about how to use analytics on Amazon, um, which honestly is a very fun topic for me. I've been in this space 11 plus years and analytics is the key to everything. Um, Before I introduce today's guest, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by FullScale.io. Helping software developers can be be difficult. FullScale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and as a platform to help you manage that team. Visit FullScale.io to learn more. Um, one of the coolest sites I've ever seen to find um, your next hire, your next software engineer. They've got an amazing like avatar of all of their employees and team members. Um, it's really set up amazing. Check it out, fullscale.io, um, you won't regret it. And before, without further ado, Nick Urisen, welcome to the show. President and CEO of Argo Metrics. It's nice to have you today. Um, excited to hear your story and, and get into some of what you're doing on Amazon.
0: Hey Drew. Um... I'm pleased to be here. I'm always happy to be talking business and talking Amazon.
1: I uh I had the pleasure of being on Nick's podcast um a few weeks back and uh we just got to get got to know each other. He, he ran me through the fire a little bit with some hard questions. I try to keep it fun and interesting, so you'll have to go over there and check it out. Nick is an amazing host. Um we had a lot of fun, but today I, w- I would love to get to know you a little bit better, Nick. Uh, we spent the last time, you know, we, we chatted getting to know myself and Marknology and kind of what we're doing. Um, you're in the Amazon space. Uh, everyone kind of has a story for how they get here, but let's go all the way back to the beginning. If we came with you, like, did you, um, you know, where'd you grow up? Did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur, a business owner, uh, kind of what was that early life like for Nick?
0: Well, the uh... Thank you, Drew. This is this is a question that is has many uh, interesting aspects of it and uh, the answer. But I'm first and foremost, I'm an immigrant. I grew up in in uh, in Turkey in Istanbul. I went to college in, in in one of the Ivy League schools in Turkey. In computer science is my degree. That's that's my. Uh, I'm an engineer by training. So. Okay. After graduating, I realized that you really need to speak English, so you can't do that staying there. So I went to England, and I spent 15 years in England, and that was where my first job was. So I never worked anywhere else other than my very first job in England, which was in a clothing company.
1: Okay. We're talking
0: 1984. Okay. And those days, there is no there is no hard disk. There is no PCs. The only computer was those days, those big, huge mainframes that you couldn't go anywhere near yourself, only big corporations owned them. And uh, in college, when I did my degree, I was given access to it to through it. a terminal so I could write programs and things like that. Uh, but that was the only computer. But those days Mac was just starting, and it was with like yeah. floppy, floppy drives. And about um, so, just around that time, I got my first job. It's basically to work in a company to help with their office stuff while I was studying language. So what happens is, the owner of the company uh, he hired me to computerize the company's operations. So this was a
1: okay. Cool.
0: visionary entrepreneur, and there are there's no computers being used by businesses in,
1: you know, in uh,
0: uh, great scale, and he wanted to computerize his operations, and that was my job. I knew nothing about business. I didn't really know these little computers. I knew the big ones and the programming them. So how the hell do I learn all this and then put it
1: together? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So I had to learn the business, of course. So in that process, I learned manufacturing, order processing, and and uh, customer service and all that stuff, and not to mention all the accounting aspect of it. So I had to learn all that. Anyway, along the way, hard disk was invented. It came out. In fact, when I advocated to one of the uh, the, the companies that provided service for the Mac, uh, I said, look, I hear about this hard disk. Yeah, we ought to go for it. We, we need to install a network with hard disk uh, on it. So he says, oh, that's only for lazy people. I said, what do you mean for lazy people? He says, well, hard disk is, you know, everything is on one disk and then you log in and everything is in front of you and then you just call up whatever you want. And I said, what's wrong with it? He says, with floppy drives, it's much, much more fun you 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 take out one floppy, you insert another floppy. Anyway, so those are my days of starting. Anyway.
1: He, he, I, stopped, being, he stopped being revolutionary <laughs> somewhere in there. At first he was revolutionary and he changed his mind. Yeah,
0: so I mean, those are the days I started. So anyway, fast forward four or five years. At this point, I built the whole uh, network and the company uh put the software system on it learned accounting long learned financials uh, put everything together and and i went all the way up to uh, becoming a chief operating officer for the company at this point i'm running the whole business and so it took me about uh, three years or so to get there then i got headhunted by another company to do the same for them uh and then uh, i Along the way, I built this idea that I'm going to start my own business to build a software system. So that's okay. that's my uh, initial entrepreneurial tendencies coming out. And I got my first client. We built the system. It became the very first. It basically combined transportation, logistics with accounting. It was all integrated. So if you issue the freight invoice, it would immediately. Issue the invoice, post it to the relevant uh, accounting code, but also link it back to the actual shipment with the bill of ladings and things like that, which those days. Revolutionary at the time. There was no, no such thing. Produced the documents and all that stuff. So so that's what I built. And the company that we built it for was the was a transportation company. And they obviously loved it with one click. I never forget. Five o'clock in the morning, we finished the whole thing. We clicked one button. Out comes the PL statement, the balance sheet, and all the receivables, payables. And it was just completely uh, groundbreaking kind of stuff. And I bet. They, the, 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 the guy who was running the, the branch uh, in London presented to the head office, and they said, don't let this guy go. Then they, uh, they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So they, they asked for all kinds of crazy things. Um, I, I asked for crazy things uh, to work there. I basically said, look, look how much money you paid me just to build a system. I can do this for many others. And why should I come work here? And I said, ah, you know, you're not going to work here for too long. We know that, but in the meantime, we need you. Plus, you know, tell us, what do you need? So I said, okay, I need this, I need that, I need the other. And uh, anyway, we ended up taking over that company uh, three years later. It became our own business uh, as two partners. Yeah, it was a management buyout. And then uh, with two partners, um, a year after that, I totally went on my own. We basically split the company into two. I took my half, he took his half. We continued working together, but our independent operations, they were I, I basically handled imports, he handled exports. So they never really mixed anyway. It was two separate things. And we said, you know what, the company on its own has to have one leader. And therefore, let's separate this but continue doing business with each other. So So was uh, that
1: was that the original owner or was that a friend of yours that, that started the software company?
0: Yeah, uh, no, I I started the software company. And this friend of mine, who was the the original employee of that company, that arranged for me to join him. And okay. that's where we became two directors running that company. Uh, Got it. We were just the two yuppies running this company. And uh, two, two and a half years later, we did a management buyout. So we became partners. And then we Got separated it. a year later, um, corporation-wise. But we just continued... The business relationship. So that's when I ended up being completely on my own, running my own business. The only thing is,
1: for about six. How old were you at that time, uh, roughly? At that,
0: yeah, at that time uh, I was thirty. Yeah, okay. I was thirty. I was thirty years old, and uh, I totally ended up on my own, and it was a scary thing. And then I yeah. thought. Well, you know, I know what to do, so I well, continue. I doing it. You know, what's the big yeah. deal? So, so I did that. So I'm running my own business, but within uh, three years, so this became a. Tra- uh, it was a transportation company, but it was a freight forwarding company. So we were the London office of this major. Uh, trucking company that owned 100 plus trucks so that was the business i ended up taking over now my part was obviously the the, the technology part the computer the computer system so i pretty much did the accounting uh, the the up the import operations uh, customer acquisition for import uh, clients that we handle imports for and of course the the technology part of the company so That's really what I did. And then when I separated, I continued doing the same thing. I had my own customer base and everything. And then within three years, pretty much I got to the point where I had sea freight division, air freight division, and we ended up buying buying our own trucks, traders. So I I went all out doing because the business brings you these opportunities. You do the math. and Okay, I'll take that on. I have a good team. So the business expanded until 1997. In fact, my company, in my company, we were the, all, the first ones ever that used GSM phones in Europe. Uh, because what happened those days, you know, in transportation, the, the standard is you have to lie. So people ask, you know, where is my merchandise? Oh, yeah, it's in transit. It's in transit. Oh, it's shipped. It's in transit. It's always lying. So especially with trucks, it's standard. So I made it my policy in the company we don't like. So in order to combat this, some companies started to install these major satellite systems in their trucks. So they could track the trucks you know in the satellite system and then let the customer know. So so what happened was, and in the meantime, so, and these systems cost thousands of dollars to install because you have to install the main system, you install every truck with, with one of those. So, so I started stealing business from these major companies with, with these satellite systems. And my pitch was very simple. I would go to the company and, and I would pitch our services to get theirs, their business, and they say, Oh, you know. For us, information is very important. We want to know where the truck is at all times. I would say, okay, so how do you know now? Oh, you know, we work with so-and-so and and they have so many trucks and they have satellite system. I said, okay, but tell me how you know. So they will say, okay, well, when we want to know where the truck is, it's very simple. We call the company and we ask them, where is the truck? And they'll say, okay, hold on a minute. We'll look it up. And then they would look up and come back and tell me. So I said, I would say, "Oh, so you basically believe what the guy tells you?" Yeah. So how's that different than any other way? <laughs> how do you know that? I mean, you are not seeing the truck and the satellite; they are, and they're telling you what where the truck is, but it may be somewhere else. He says, "Yeah, uh, but you know, so." What are you doing different? At least they have said. I say, mine is very simple. I'm going to give you a phone number for you to call. And when you dial that number, it will ring at the other end, the driver. And The driver will answer, and you can ask yourself where the driver is and ask him to describe, and in fact, ask him to pass the phone on to the next guy next to him. Really? You can do that? Those days, GSM phones are brand new. Nobody... So I gave a GSM, I saw that, I, I gave a GSM phone to every driver of mine. And and they said, this would be great. Can you really do that? I said, sure, no problem. Give us a trial and then you'll try. The biggest um, uh, lie was always the factories would tip the drivers to say, you know, it's shipped. But in fact, they would either be just loading or not loaded yet. So that was... let had themselves so- some time. Yeah, so the, the 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 exporter, the factory, would simply tell the driver, look, you know, just say that you picked up the cargo, and then we'll give you a few bucks. So, so they, so I said, uh, you can verify if something is already gone or loading or whatever. They said, okay, we'll test this right now. Can you give us a truck? I said, well, let me arrange that, and then I'll get it to you. So anyway. We arrange, I give them the registration number for a truck, give the driver's name. I said, okay, here is your truck. And he's at, uh, you just call him and ask him. And he knows, he has the instructions for your consignment. And you can ask him if he's loaded or when he's gonna load. So sure enough, they call him up and they said, are you the driver? Blah, blah, blah. And he says, yeah, okay, tell us uh, what's the status. He says, oh, I'm loading right now in the warehouse. Uh, they said, okay, can you put us on to the warehouse manager? <laughs> and then he puts the warehouse manager on the phone. And the warehouse, warehouse manager says, okay, yeah, we're loading. We're halfway through. We'll be done in about an hour. Then he'll be on his way. That was the end of it. And I got their business. So this was just, you know, practical thinking. and
1: uh, But, but not revolutionary at the time, yeah.
0: Yeah. So anyway, so those little things like that, always thinking ahead. And, and so anyway, fast forward to 1996, internet business has just started. And, you know, I had my business had grown. I had several agencies and I, but my heart is always in technology because, you know, when you start to scale the business, you're not doing anything different. You're doing, yep. you're doing something that is just more volume. So internet business started and, and my, my brother at the time uh, had just graduated from FAU and, and he said to me, look, there is this internet business starting now and I wanna be in it, I wanna start something. I said, okay, if you start something, then I'll take a look and we'll go from there. So he comes up with an idea. He says, look, I wanna, I wanna build a directory, internet directory, but in multiple languages. And I look at it and I said, look, why don't you build a prototype? And then let me know. He builds a prototype in two
1: languages. He codes as well. Is he a coder as well, an engineer?
0: Yeah, he's, a, he's okay. a coder. And so he builds, but this is all HTML. There's no database, no nothing at the time. So we, 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 we built the whole thing. And I said, this is gonna be a test marketing and we don't wanna really spoil anything. I'm going to launch this in Turkey because Turkey being my backyard, so to speak. Plus, at that point, I, I have a lot of connections and my business has grown. So uh, so we built this prototype. We launched it in 1996, June. Suddenly, it's in all the papers. They're calling us Gates Brothers and it's become a huge success. And And I get investors coming in saying, oh, you know, this is this is the future and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, bottom line, in one and a half years, I got $7 million in investment raised, built this company from zero to 200 people. We had a development arm here in the U.S. employing 50 people and then 150 people in Istanbul. We became the poster boy of internet business And uh, and then the company was sold, and in 1997, I'm thinking, okay, part of my exit was to take over the U.S. office, so that's when I moved to the United States. And uh, so at the time, at the time, I have my business running in England. Still, my transportation business was going, and I built this internet business at the same time, and. And then as part of my exit, I had the U.S. office. In the U.S. office, we had our own data center. And so I was at the crossroads. So what do I do now? Go back. The home for me was London. So go back home to London and go back to transportation. Or I have this U.S. operation, the internet business that I've gotten into now. And I made a decision. I said, I sold the business in England. I'm not going home home for me is now america and i already have the us office so i came to the us took over the the company here took over the data center and at that point i had to make a decision what do i do now so company sold i tasted the internet business i want to stay in the internet business but those days it was all about advertising just sell uh, bring eyeballs to a website with content and sell advertising, but nobody cared about making money. It was all about going public. You know, file for I raise ten million dollars. Uh,
1: yeah,
0: file for sounds IPO.
1: familiar. Yeah. sounds familiar.
0: File, file for IPO, and that that's it. There that was the, there was no no profits, no no sales, no nothing. So I thought, you know, I don't believe in that business model. I don't really. I'm not advertising guy. I like transaction. I like small business. So I thought, you know, the future of the internet business will be mostly commerce. Commerce is going to take place on the web. So I want to be in e-commerce, and I want to be for small businesses, but I want to offer a service that can scale. So I want to productize the service. So I built an online store platform subscription based for small businesses but it had a huge very comprehensive backend to manage the business as if you know you're a small business guy you have your books you have your you know ideas and then you go do it exactly that kind of mentality very business oriented uh, back office to create an online store there's no such thing at the time nobody has anything like this except yahoo yahoo had Uh, Yahoo, in fact, uh, had just acquired a company that had online stores. They had 1,100 accounts, and they got $58 million from Yahoo for that. So I said, oh, my idea is validated. I'm I'm going in this direction. So that's what I started. Yeah. So uh, in 1998, April, we launched that platform. And come September, we ranked number three in the country. And I'm thinking. Again. I just came to this country. I don't even have a residence visa yet. And I launched something and it got ranked number three. So uh, this is great. So if I became number three now, why not become number one? Well, two years down the road, we became number one. So, uh, so this is all happening. In the meantime, we had the dot-com bubble burst and I'm thinking, okay, uh, but by this time I have subscribers, I'm profitable I'm where did literally- you land where did
1: you? Where was home in the US as well the US is big, you know, Florida. where did you land
0: Florida, in Florida. Yeah, our yeah. office was in Deerfield Beach, Florida so uh, I basically go went there and took over the office because uh, those I days I can see why you
1: chose Florida over London at that time I mean just, you know Florida, if you've been living in London and Istanbul uh, Florida's a vibe Right, Florida is uh you know I don't know where that is exactly, but you've got son and you're like you're taking over a new company. I imagine you're probably like mid thirties, maybe at that time. Or yeah, yeah, thirty. Yeah, yeah. Were yeah. you were married at the time or no?
0: No, no, no. I I I was married before. I was at, I was divorced already. I was okay. I was free free a bird. No kids. No nothing. Yeah.
1: Okay. I just I'm just trying to picture in my head. You know, you just had an exit. You just sold your other business in London. You're in the U.S. You're landing in Florida. You're in your young 30s. And you have another startup that, you know, is number three in the country that goes to number one. Um, What a time. What a time.
0: Uh, I mean, it was great. But, you know, I I will tell you this. Uh, Yeah, London is obviously a great place. But first time I came to America was in 1993. And I knew that this is this is it. I want to be here because it's a totally different lifestyle, totally different set of values, the attitude, the the the, the society in America is is a very open society. Uh, in England, it's a closed society. So there is uh, this is a much much deeper discussion but here if you have an idea and you have a vision people will embrace you and then they will rally around you and they will be your biggest fan and they'll support you. In England, if you come up with an idea, the first thing they'll say is, ah, you know, it's not going to work. And then they don't really do much about it. There's no excitement. And then when you, when things go wrong and things often go wrong, they say, ah, I told you so, this was never going to work. So it's a huge attitude Just and fact, a
1: pessimism versus an optimism kind of thing yeah
0: and it's it's a it's very exclusive it's not for you who are you you know you know it's 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 one of those things it's not a welcoming society now i have no complaints uh, england treated me very well i still to this day i have very close friends and everything but for a, an outsider to come in and then be successful during which the society helps you, forget it.
1: Yeah.
0: Here, you have to do it the exact, on your own. The exact, I Right from the get-go here, I had investors because they, they believed in me. I mean, who was I? I was nobody. And mm. as yet, you know, they gave me the support. So uh, that's the biggest difference. And in fact, in 1994, two years before I moved, three years before I moved to America, I started a company here in the U.S. I registered it we were filing everything and my brother was doing stuff, but that was all because I knew one day I was going to be living here. So it was obvious Florida on the other hand, it was a different story.
1: I just, you know, this country is a big country, so it depends on, you know, did you land in Philadelphia or Jersey or Florida or Cali where you land? I think, you know, where you set up shop or becomes home matters as well. Like, you know, your experience, your experience here as well. It changes depending on, kind of what part of the country you're in. And um, I I moved here at 16 years old uh, from Africa and, you know, landed in the Midwest. So a completely different experience than if I had landed, you know, in New York or something like that um, as an immigrant. Um, I'm American, but I was an immigrant in my own country in a lot of ways coming here at 16 and not knowing the customs or anything, you know. Um, so I'm just relating a little bit. Uh, For anyone listening, kind of trying to paint that picture a little bit of of what that's like. I'm also nobody from nowhere and, um, you know, have have found opportunity here in the U.S. as well, building Marknology and everything I've done. Um, And as many flaws as the country has, because we all, they all do, right? There's still this, you're right, there's still this uh, environment of innovation and new ideas and individuality in regards to like, you can do anything yourself. Um, that you don't get anywhere else, you know, you don't really get anywhere else. So I kind of wanted you to just spell that out because I think it's only something that someone from Turkey or someone from another country is going to really appreciate and realize. You know, I, they call it the American dream, but for me, uh, coming from a poor family with not a lot of opportunities, I mean, I've I've chased the dream that I've wanted to build, and it's it's you know it's there to take. Um, you were on number three or four uh you know with planning already of like you know i'm gonna be in the u.s um so and i have a lot of friends in in uh in the uk as well um just from instagram and and podcasts and you know business and things like that so um i'm excited just to understand the differences as well and and i even at 10 years old was like building computers so in 96 i would have been uh 10 okay (laughs) But my dad grew me up with floppy and DOS, and you know the big three by uh, the five big floppy, five, five and a quarter, yeah. five and a quarter. You know, like I. So when you talk about those things, even though I'm younger, I understand because I was uh, growing up in Africa. I didn't have a lot to do, and my dad was one of the ones that had the first in the house computer, uh, and so I got. He's always he wasn't showing me how to fix a car but he would show me how to fix a computer, you know, and how to take it apart. And, and in Africa, I had all this time to really play and uh, network and just try different things out. The internet had just been coming out, you know, even in uh, even in Africa in the 90s at that time. So with would dial up satellite, you know, at nighttime <laughs> at 3 a.m. In, in, in Congo, you yeah. can get some, some reception, get some speed or something. But um, just relating a little bit to your story at the time to know what someone in their 30s was doing at that same time, right? Uh, wide open. In a similar way, I feel like e-commerce is still wide open. Like, you know, I'm trailblazing in the Amazon space. TikTok and social media is still trailblazing, you know? um, What an exciting time. And I'm trying to, just trying to picture what you guys had built and you said to KC Office, and you talked about it being like an HTML database in different languages. I think of Craigslist. But no, it wasn't like a Craigslist, yeah? It was more like the back end of a Shopify or...
0: Well, I, I don't know if you remember... Uh... But at the beginning, when internet came out, Yahoo was the search engine. Yes. And there was, in fact, not even a concept of a search engine, so to speak, but there was an internet directory. So what Yahoo had done was they had 14 categories. And what you would do is you would click on the category and drill down. And under each category, you would see the names of companies. So in fact, when I moved to the US, next office in the building, uh, same building I was, there was a guy who was building a search engine. And it, those days it was not called search engines, so to speak, but it was called the search directory. So he was building a search directory. We're talking 1998, early 98, And to the extent that Yahoo is the dominating player, the only player in search. That's what it was referred to as, search. So who is the search company? Yahoo. And how do they do it? They have categories. You click on the category, and then you find what you're looking for. So the game was for anybody else entering into the game. Forget it. You're going against the mountain, Yahoo is no winning against Yahoo. So people started creating these segments. Like, for example, this guy next to my office, he was creating search for porn sites. <laughs> so uh, so everybody was trying to have this this angle to take it because search became, because as soon as you are on the internet now, you need to find information. Uh, there is no mm-hmm. Google, nothing. So how do you find it? Well, go to a directory. So it was the natural destination for every internet user so come
1: it was a cataloging it was more like cataloging exactly uh, so
0: but what Yahoo did which was a mistake was they came up with the idea of a directory and they needed to put the content well guess what there was not much content because internet is still not so so what happens is the first wave of the internet business was creating websites. Web, uh, mm-hmm. every company needs a website. You had to, in fact, justify th- why a company should have a website. These days, it's ridiculous. I, I,
1: I call this. I call this demand generation. Okay, That's, so in the early days, in the early days of of my company, I was having to tell people why they needed Amazon, why they needed to care about it, why they need to create content for it separately than their website. The same thing, yeah. but a different channel. Yeah. Right. Uh, later. Yeah. Later down the road.
0: So there were there were other sites like Yahoo, Yahoo was the most organized, but there were other sites coming up with their own ways. Like for example, there was a site called Lycos. Lycos had a dog as their mascot. They would advertise Super Bowl and everything. There was a company called Alta Vista. There was a company called Excite. Yeah, you you Mm -hmm. remember these were all internet directories, but the leader was without a doubt, Yahoo. So, uh, but they all basically had the same idea. We are the place for everything on the internet, except not many people ha- have things on, <laughs> any, any presence on the web. So get yours. So that was the first wave of the internet business uh, in terms of uh, production. And then bubble bursts. So now you are in an environment where Yahoo is the dominant player. The others started to disappear. Once the bubble burst and the questions started to come up, what's your revenue, what's this, what's that? Of course, none of these people really have any significant revenues. Suddenly, they either get acquired, they disappear, or they shut down. So they get weeded out. So then comes Google. What Google is doing is nobody knows Google.com. There's no Google.com, no nothing. And Google had such as, this is not mentioned anywhere, really. I haven't heard this, but Google had such a smart strategy. These guys said, we are going to be the search engine. But guess what? We need to have something for people to search in the first place. That means content. And we're going to index the whole universe of content so that by the time we open, bang, it will be all there. So what they do is they go, you library by library, university by university, and they say to them, let us be the search on your website. They started licensing, making money, licensing Google search capability. So if you ever went to Harvard, Yale, Stanford, and you wanted to search the the university website, Google powered by Google, powered by Google. So guess what? Two, three years after that, one they've day, been
1: making money the whole time.
0: Google launches. And I'm I'm hearing this. Oh, Google launched. I go to Google website, I'm thinking like all the bells and whistles, Google and click here, click here, click here. All I see is search box. And I thought to myself, what losers? You know, they're not gonna get much business. This this was Google, so that was the search. We at this point, it's early two thousands. So um, that that's really the thing that that is always to me. Of course, now looking back, I can see how smart they were. And by the time they, um, if you went to that silly little search box and put anything, stuff would come up that was completely relevant. With yeah. Yahoo, good luck. It was not like yeah. that. So- yeah. I remember
1: one uh, one when I was a kid and trying to learn, you know, uh, everything. Uh, Cause I just came from Africa. I was in high school at like, uh, you know, 2001, 2002. Uh, ask Jeeves. Remember the, the, oh, you remember yeah, the, remember the search remember engine? Asking, yeah, ask good. Jeeves. Yeah, yeah. That was like asking your big brother or your dad or something, you would just type it in there, you know? And it was the first time I remember as a kid being able to be like, there's this thing that will answer any of our questions you know uh, and you could just go ask Jeeves. um kind of before google i think maybe somewhere in between there at the same time or something but it was it was uh trending um you know we've got like we've got like 10 minutes left here i want to talk about what you've built with Argo Metrics because we're talking about data and analytics and you know even your experience all the way up to this point um i do believe there's just an advantage i believe i have an advantage just from understanding watching the internet grow from floppy to where it is today even though i'm younger i'm like i've seen the whole progression there's an understanding that i have that i don't feel like everyone has if they haven't seen the whole path and it's it's a way to predict almost what you need next and what's coming next in a way right and um you know we both found ourselves at amazon uh and building you know you've built software and, and i've built services and and all types of things i've been here um kind of pioneering uh the growth of amazon as an industry from the software to the service providers talk to me about the the beginning of argo uh if i can call it that and just like you know what you're building there with with the last few minutes we have here because we've talked about data and search engines and like the key the thing is to any of our listeners out there is like the data is everything that's how we dominate on amazon as an agency um we think about a listing we, we take in all the keyword data and the pricing data and the competitor analysis data and customer behavior data over time and experience and creativity and all these things, but it's really one hundred percent the the data and the analytics is what gives us feedback on what's working what's not working, what are people enjoying what are people not um, and I believe Argo solves for some of that so um you know explain explain that to me in the next few minutes uh, for any of our listeners kind of what um you know what you guys are doing there
0: yeah so uh, a, a, as i had my online store system and then i it, it it did pretty well um i had to i had to evolve in my business model and in the process i became an amazon seller so okay my goal was completely it's not about selling amazon but it's about figuring out where is the need? What problem can I solve with technology? Where is the need? And therefore, I would become the solution that people would use. So I just became a seller to figure that out. So it spent about four or five years figuring that out. Once I figured out it was the analytics on Amazon that I had to watch, we built that platform. We built this platform that basically gathered all the data on each listing. And then automated some of the business decisions that you would make yourself uh, manually, like sell this, don't sell this, hold it, price it at this, price it at that, whatever. So that gave us, that took us from 60 orders a day to 2000 orders a day. And that is where Argometrics idea was born. Because once I proved, once, once I tested so many different ways to gather and use the analytics and then automated that thing and then turned into a platform I said that's it and and then that that platform the very platform took me from 60 to 2,000 orders a day uh, in fact it was a big deal and this all this happened right around when the financial meltdown occurred in 2008 so at the time I am like doing gangbusters when everybody else is thinking, oh, the world is going to come to an end. Uh, my platform saved me. In fact, I was written up in the entrepreneur magazine. They put me on the cover uh, of entrepreneur uh, with my story. So uh, three years after that, at this point, we're doing 2000 orders a day. I thought, you know, there's no difference between 2000 a day, 20,000 a day. It's just, it's selling it. It's so, But I learned that there is a need for conventional businesses who want to be Amazon sellers to learn how to use the data and what data to look at, And, and and plus all the knowledge of running an Amazon business. So I said, I'm going to start a new company. I sold that company, and I'm going to start a new company and offer this to other Amazon sellers. That's where Argometrics' idea came from. And now uh, in 2013, I started it, it's now end of 2022. So nine years fast forward, our platform uh, evolved. So now what we do is, is the, the two magic bullets for success on Amazon is two numbers to watch. So for everybody listening, forget about everything else, watch these two numbers, there is no question you will be successful if you work on these numbers. The first one is called click-through rate. That means what keywords are bringing your business. You can get that from search query performance. These days, Amazon now makes that available. We get it into our platform. So if you get more and more of the people to click on those search terms, That's magic bullet one. What you're doing, in fact, is if 100 people are clicking on a search term, you make that 200, you've got 100 more people landing on your product page. So you increase your exposure. And how do you do that? That's where the optimization of the listing, the keywords, and everything else comes. Uh, So work with someone. Do not do it yourself. Hire an expert. Time is money. If you try to do it yourself, you're gonna waste time. instead, because these numbers are changing every day, the key the demand for the keywords. Another thing I'm gonna say here that speaks to this click through rate. marketplace, Amazon marketplace is not a marketplace of products. It's a marketplace of keywords. Mm. You associate products with the keywords. You find products to sell based on what keywords have demand. So once you figure that out and then you create your listing in the right way, you're coming up, figure out how to increase the click through rate. The next magic bullet on your product page is conversion rate. How to increase your conversion, how you increase your conversion on your product page has nothing to do with your price, has nothing to do with keywords. It has everything to do with how that Amazon shopper that landed on your page will emotionally connect with what's on that page.
1: Well played, well played.
0: That means pictures, that means bullets, that means your A-plus pages. Then they will look at your price. So... You get these right, you get the conversion. So now, do the math. You own, let's say that you focused on, you have to focus, focused on three keywords. Put all your efforts, money, time, energy to get appearance under those three keywords. You're getting a thousand searches a month. You get of those searches, people click on you. That's 150 people landing on your page. How do you make that 150, 300? How do you make that 300, 450? First step. Second step, out of that 450, one out of three buying. How do you make that one out of two? Or start small, one out of 10 buying. That's 10% conversion. It's very low. When I work with my clients, I get 35 to 50%. That's the goal. I have clients that have 65% click through, click through, click through. In other words, 65% search. They do a search. Up comes the listing. 65% clicking on it, landing on the product page. On the product page, I have between... I In my software, anybody signs up, they log in. We pull the data from their account. This is specific to their listings. Anything below 35, we consider bad. Between 35 to 50, we consider it average. Anything above average, we consider good. Industry average for conversions, 12%. So, of course, this varies based on how much traffic you're getting, what category you are in. Nevertheless, there are benchmarks. My clients, I say anything less than 25%, that means one out of four people buying, that's what you have to achieve. So those two magic bullets, if if you've done your homework and you set up your pricing model to leave you enough margins, and this idea of, oh, we're going to sell cheap and we're going to make it up on the volume, that does not work anybody listening if you ever want to go over, forget it that's not a business you're not going to be successful so set up good margins you must have after amazon commission landed cost of the product and the fba fee you must have 40% net left before advertise that's if you're not getting that you're not pricing right so does that mean You increase your price? No. You create bundles and packs and everything else. So there are ways. So I have a saying that I love. Okay. Strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory. I'm going to write this one down. Strategy. Tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. So throwing all the PPC campaigns, email campaigns, and bring visitors, these pictures, blah, blah. If you didn't have the right pricing strategy in the first place, forget it. It's all noise before defeat. So it starts. So when I take on a client, first thing we do, first day, we set the pricing. And then in the process, we're creating bundles and everything. Now Amazon offers virtual bundles. So you can test but just as a word of yes. caution do not ever think that's a long term uh, solution to bundles because they you are doubling tripling your fba fee if you create the physical bundle you'll more than likely your fba fee will be the same as single uh, so but it's a good, good idea to test it's a good idea to test to start with so uh, so i say and guess what your bundling will increase your conversion because you have more value you are offering. So, um, I can talk on and on, but my, uh, so my, what my platform does is it will give you these numbers real time with benchmarks, with suggestions of what to do. So, um, I recommend anybody to, I mean, yeah, it, it just, uh, I don't know how you can live without, without this. So now the solution for this, this report is not available anywhere. Um, I knew that this was, this is available. the source of this data is, by the way, is your business reports, detailed page and sales uh, traffic um, at child, school, child ASIN level. That's the source. But the only way to get it is to download it. And then you have to have an Excel sheet or a Google sheet set up, elaborate, and looking at it, downloading and looking at it is not the way to use it. Because you need to be looking at it in perspective, historically, you need to be comparing last year, last week, last month, yesterday, all these numbers that I'm telling you, the CTR and the conversion rate, and, and many of them is buy box rate, there's the average order value, there's traffic. All these are, these are data points that I gathered over the years uh, that, that you must watch. So we present those, we visualize the data, so that you can easily click 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 and then see over time how it happened you can tag events like you may increase your uh, ppc spending or you may kick in a, uh, a ppc campaign or send out an email you can tag those so if the conversion dips uh, then you can you know see you oh, change. this is this is what happened that's why it dipped it's understandable or without doing anything it dipped there's a difference between so yeah uh, you need to look at it historically. you need to look at it in perspective with the events around it. You can tag all these things in our system so that way you have full understanding of what's going on with your operation and that's what every seller has to do and then and in with with Argometrics, we say success is inevitable because you're making data driven decisions
1: i I love it Nick you're I can tell you're a true expert anyone in the field um You know if you've been doing this for so long we started archaically you know and the best software has come out solving these problems um speaking of of problems finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult either especially when you visit fullscale.io we can build a software team quickly and affordably use a full-scale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers testers and leaders are ready to join your team visit fullscale.io to learn more nick as we wrap up um Talk to me just about like you know one tip you would give for sellers going into twenty twenty three, okay, and then and then also share with us something um that you guys are working on that you're excited about, you know uh you know maybe something new uh, in the software or something new in regards to Amazon that you and your team are working on, um just to share as you go.
0: Absolutely. So the the biggest tip I can t- tell people to pursue is really. <clears throat> don't worry about your advertising spend uh, instead, focus on your total advertising cost of sales. In other words, how much you spend in advertising altogether, and then you can break it down channel by channel, but at the end of the day, how much you spend and then how much your total sales were because some of the sales will come from those advertised, you know, uh, products, or display ads, whatever the case may be, and people will click on them and place an order. Those are the advertised sales. But there will also be organic sales coming in. So what matters is what are your advertised sales and organic sales combined? That's your total sales compared to how much you spent. Focus on that. If you're t- what we call takeoffs, if your take is between 10 to 20% that's what you care about if your acos is 35% 40% who cares if your take cost is 50 keep spending just make sure you get a good agency to make sure that they weed out the, the the bad keywords and then as they weed out the bad keywords then your acos even will increase then your take cost will drop even further which will give you the biggest return. So that's what I will give as a tip. As something new, we have planned to come out in the first quarter of 2023. You're not going to find this anywhere else. It's my invention. It's a metric that I came up with. And it's uh, what you can use to value your company if you want to sell it. What you can use to plan your advertising, your demand, your replenishment. You can use it on all of these things. And this metric is, is called the organic rate. What that means is, imagine that for every paid click, you get three organic clicks. How would that help you? skew by skew and as a company so now you can use this in many ways for example you have a a skew that you want to scale and you know that you're spending x number of dollars and then you're getting x number of visitors that means x number of clicks if you know that for every click on this listing i'm gonna get x number of organic visitors and you already know your conversion rate, that translates into so many orders. You can have a much, much better visibility and therefore decide how much you can spend. Or you can reverse the whole approach where you say, okay, I I want to spend a $1,000 on this listing. What does that mean? It means so many clicks. Therefore, you know with this metric how many organic visitors you're going to get and therefore what your total demand is going to be. So uh, and then overall, as a company, if you if you go pitch your company, say, look, my advertising comes from ten different channels, and by the way, for every advertised click, I bring in ten organic clicks versus two organic clicks. That is a huge differentiator. Selling point. Yeah. So uh, that is a new metric that I call organic uh, uh, ratio. Uh, so that is going to be super coming cool. Out.
1: Yeah, in twenty twenty. Cool. I'm excited to see that. I have to I'll have definitely have to learn more. Um Nick, this has been so informative. I love your story as well. Um where can people stay in contact with you? Where can people learn more about argometrics? What's the best place to engage? Um share your podcast and I believe you have a special offer for anyone uh tuning into the Startup Hustle podcast today. Share that as well.
0: Yes. So uh, to reach me, just go to www.argometrics.com. That's A-R-G-O-M-E-T, for Tommy, uh, R-I-X, argometrics.com. If you go to contact and send the, on the contact form, send a message. uh, I'll get it. Just put uh, Startup Hustle. I heard you in Startup Hustle. Um, And then I'll get it. Um, From that, you can reach me. My podcast is Amazon Legends. Uh, I had the privilege of having Drew on my show. We had a blast. So um, listen to it. It's on all the podcast platforms and YouTube. Subscribe to it. Just look up Amazon Legends Nick and it will come right up. So that's my podcast. And also for anybody listening to the show, if you go to argometrics.com and under Seller Concierge Service, select Seller Intelligence Platform, we call it SIP. Uh, if you go sign up for SIP and put in Hustle15 as your coupon code, you will get 15% off for life. So that's also uh, available for anybody. And and by the way, if you sign up with that coupon, what you will get is you will gain access to our platform. And, we, and as soon as you connect your... SIP account to your Seller Central account, we will fetch two years of data immediately so that you'll be able to see everything I mentioned in perspective, historically, and it gets updated daily, every day, showing you so you can track how you're doing. And then as a complimentary, when somebody signs up with a coupon code as a complimentary service, we will reach out to you And then we will provide you with a formal review of how you are doing with our recommendations to bump up your your sales. So um, go to argometrics.com, sign up for Seller Intelligence Platform, use Hustle 15, and you'll get your 15% off for life and you'll get your uh, complimentary
1: uh, review. Nick, you're so generous. Uh to anyone driving in the car or just listening to this on audio, it's not writing it down. We'll have all of these links um in the show notes, in the bio notes. So uh we'll definitely have Nick's contact information there. Nick, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh thanks again to our sponsor, uh fullscale.io. Um do you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders? Let FullScale help. They have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit fullscale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and then let the platform match you up with a fully vetted, highly experienced team of, of software engineers, testers, and leaders at FullScale. They specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit fullscale.io. Super thankful for our sponsors. They allow us to promote the show, uh, do all you know, offer all of this for free and just drop tons of knowledge on, on all of our listeners. So thanks again to our sponsor, fullscale.io. Nick, thank you so much for your time. I know this won't be the last time. We might need to get you back on uh, after spring so we can talk about how the launch of the, um, uh, of the new feature is going uh, in regards to the organic um, ranking. I, I'm going to have to see it with my own eyes. This is, I'm, I'm in the show me state here in Missouri, so I want to see it. It sounds awesome. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking again, and thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you, Drew. You're welcome. We'll see you next time, Hustlers.